like sort of message out there in the name of Jesus Christ. Without you doing the dollar club, we couldn't do that. And it is just every time, every time, it's just amazing to see what God does with just, just giving a little bit, just giving a little bit more. And so we will continue to do that uh, as you all continue to be generous in the name of Jesus. Well, uh, it is good to see everybody here, everybody who's watching online, hello to you as well. Uh, and it's just, man, isn't it good to be able to know that you have a place you could come to where you see God working and see God moving, amen, everybody? Don't take that for granted. Don't ever take that for granted. Yeah, amen, let's say amen to that. Don't ever take that for granted that God is moving in this place, okay? Well, if we haven't met yet, I'm always this excited. And my name is Andy, and I'm one of the pastors here. <laughs> I wanna welcome you. I wanna welcome you to, we are in week number 20, week number 20 of our year-long journey where we are going from Genesis to Revelation in a year. And so we are still, you know, we're still in the Old Testament. We're only about 11 books in. And so let's get to it. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those and open them up to 1 Kings, and we'll be in chapter 18 today, 1 Kings 18. And as you're getting there, uh, here's where we're gonna be today. We are going to be uh, on a mountain today. We're gonna find ourselves on a mountain called Mount Carmel. And that mountain actually still exists today. It's on the northwest side of Israel. And what's gonna go down on this mountain uh, is a showdown. It's actually it's one of the greatest showdowns in all of the Bible. And on one side, we have God. And on the other side, we have Baal. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a face-off or a showdown with somebody where you feel like the whole world is watching, right? Maybe it's sports or, or something related to that. I haven't really been in any that really matter. Uh, but one that came to my mind when I thought about this was when I, got my, when I was just out of college and I got my very first job. Uh, I got a job in Washington, D.C. And so I went down there and I did not know a soul down there. I, I went there and I had my whole life packed up on my little Chevy S10. Come on, somebody. And I got down there. And uh, so I started working. And in the first week, uh, there's a group of guys on Friday inviting me to go to lunch. And I said, sure, sure, I'll go to lunch. And so we sat there and everybody ordered their food. And, and I heard this one guy order a calzone. I said, that sounds really good. So I ordered a calzone too. I was like, I'll get a calzone. And I'm telling you, it was the biggest calzone I've ever seen. It was humongous. And I am, uh, I don't like to admit that I'm a fast eater. Uh, I don't know why. I always have been. I don't feel like I'm in a race, but I kind of act like it. Okay. And still am like that today. And so before I knew it, I ate the whole thing. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I hear out of the corner uh, of this side say, oh man, that guy beat Jeff. And I looked up and he was looking at me and I said, who's Jeff? And I stared and there was this guy on the other end of the table just staring at me. And it was the other guy who ordered the calzone, all right? And it was like an aggressive stare for a Friday work lunch. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, ah, didn't mean anything by it. So they start like talking bad about Jeff. They're like talking trash on him. They're like, man, uh, this West Virginia guy. So now all of a sudden I'm repping a whole state. And they're like, this West Virginia guy, man, he can eat. And so, no, no kidding, we got back and uh, that afternoon he challenged me to an eating competition, okay? True story. So now here I am, this, this out of, just fresh out of school, 21 year old, just like 40 by the way, and, and he's kind of my boss. And so anyways, and I don't know if you know much about like office cubicle culture, but it is, uh, it is a delicate ecosystem, okay? And it needs rumors and stories to like keep it moving and pumping and, and productive, you know what I'm saying? This was spreading like wildfire. Like, you know, it's a big story if the floors above you and below you are talking about it. They had like betting lines going on, you know what I'm saying? And, 
And so I, I did not want any business there. I, I didn't want to, I was trying to avoid it and he would, he would not let this go. Uh, and it got, it was funny at first and then it got kind of weird. Uh, and the guy, Jason, he came up to me one day. He goes, man, we've never seen Jeff like this. We've never seen him like this. I'm like, oh man. So I finally just said, okay, fine, let's do it. And, uh, and, and I don't even remember what we did. I don't even remember what we did. He beat me. That's this, you know, I, I wish I could say that I won, but, but. Man, my reputation lasted for a long time. It was out there like, man, you see this guy on the fourth floor. He's from West Virginia. So I feel like I repped West Virginia pretty well uh, in Washington, D.C. So I don't know if you've ever been in a showdown like that, but let's get to this showdown in the Bible between God and Baal. Okay, so on God's side today, we're gonna see the prophet named Elijah. And on uh, Baal's side, we're gonna see this king named Ahab, okay? So here's where we're at in the story. Uh, we're at about 867 BC, uh, and we are now in a divided kingdom, okay? Divided kingdom of God. So last week, uh, we, we were with Solomon, who was uh, leading God's people. It was a united kingdom. And we saw how Solomon uh, was given this, this uh, supernatural wisdom from God, and that's what he was using uh, to lead Israel. But then we learned uh, that, that Solomon allowed these outside distractions, these outside influences in, and it caused him to be led astray, that he wasn't following God uh, anymore. And, and as a result, he lost his way. He lost his way. And, and he, as he gets to the end of his life, he looks back and he realized what he threw away. He realized that he threw away the greatest thing he ever had, which was following and loving God. And as a result, the kingdom uh, isn't following God like they should be either. And then Solomon dies and here's what happens. The kingdom just implodes. So one of Solomon's sons basically tries to rise power and he tries to wield his power, not through wisdom, but through control. And that doesn't go really good at all with God's people. And then this other guy tries to come and take over as well. And so now we have like a kingdom that's torn, that's torn right now. And so what we have is the Northern kingdom and that's called Israel. And then we have the Southern kingdom that's called Judah. Okay, Judah and Israel. Uh, and this is the way it's gonna be for the next several hundred years. We're gonna see kings rise up, lead both kingdoms. And, and by the way, most of these kings are pretty bad. Uh, as I studied this, I think of the 39 kings that I saw, only four or five were good. And that's kind of up for debate as well. And it's kind of one of the, the, the things about these guys. And then along with these kings were also prophets in both kingdoms that God rises up to be messengers of him to try to get these, uh, not only kings, but God's people to turn back to God, okay? And next week, we're gonna get into more detail about the prophets, the minor, major prophets, talk about that a little bit more in detail in their role. Uh, but right now, we are in the Northern Kingdom, okay? We're in Israel, and the king uh, is a guy named Ahab, all right, Ahab. And he is wishy-washy when it comes to God. That's what we can say, he's wishy-washy. He hasn't totally abandoned his belief in God, uh, but he's really kind of political about it. It's kind of depends on who's around him with what he says and what he does with God. And one of the big reasons why that is is because he's married uh, to a lady, which you might've heard her name, named Jezebel. Now, there is a reason why nobody is named Ahab and Jezebel because they're not good names, everybody, okay? And if you're named that, I'm really sorry. You got a bad name, okay? So I don't know what to do with you, but I, anyways, but, but they're not good people, okay? And, and now, uh, Jezebel was not wishy-washy at all. She worshiped uh, uh, Baal, 
all right? She was a Baal worshiper. Now, we get confused with Baal. Baal uh, is not one God, okay? If you write that down, it's important. Baal's not one God, but Baal was many, many gods. Like that was, it, so she believed in many gods. There wasn't just one God. And so that's what Baal means. Whenever you come across it in the Bible, it's a bunch of different gods. So they believed in a, in a Baal of agriculture, a Baal of fertility, a Baal of rain, a Baal of sun. Like they, there were all kinds. And so she is spreading this belief that there's not just one God, there's all kinds of gods. And, and she wants this to be the primary religion in the northern kingdom. So she starts killing off all of God's prophets. Uh, And so then along comes the prophet of God, Elijah. Right now, God tells Elijah, hey, here's what you're gonna do. You're going to, I'm going to send a drought uh, to the kingdom. It's gonna be a a long drought. That's what you're gonna tell the king. So Elijah comes and says, all right, there's gonna be a drought and it's not gonna rain again until I pray for it. And so for the next three and a half years, there's no rain, which by the way, if you remember back to what we were saying about the Baal, like that was a direct blow to Baal because they were like, wait, wait, no, Baal controls the rain, not this God. So this was God trying to communicate with Ahab and God's people trying to get their attention. And so now where we're at is Ahab's blaming Elijah for this drought. And and for the next three and a half years, he's kind of trying to find him. And then finally it happens, they meet up. They meet up. It's kind of, this is the face-off that we're gonna be in. So we're gonna pick this up in 1 Kings 18, verse 17. Here's what it says. It says, all right, when Ahab saw him, Elijah, he exclaimed, so... Is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? Well, I made no trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. You and your family are the troublemakers, for you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshiped the images of Baal instead. All right, so Ahab sees Elijah, right? And he, and he goes, hey, there's the troublemaker. There's, because Elijah, it's your fault. It's your fault that the water got turned off. And so, so what Ahab's doing is he's saying, man, everything was going fine until you showed up and started meddling and started stirring up trouble and aggravated. Actually, the Hebrew word uh, for troublemaker in there is to stir up trouble, to stir it up. Now, let me ask you this. How many Jesus followers in here can testify to the fact that the Holy Spirit tends to kind of stir things up in our lives from time to time? Doesn't he, everybody? Kind of does that from time to time. He's kind of a meddler, the Holy Spirit. Like you're going along, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's good. You're comfortable with your faith. And it's like, I got my bugaboos and you know, it's nothing really bad. You know, I'm not all spot on. I've been the rules here and there, but, but that's how I live out my faith. And I'm doing pretty good. I don't think God's too worried, but he's got others. He's got bigger fish to fry. And then just kind of out of nowhere, or maybe you show up here on a Sunday and the Holy Spirit just kind of starts messing with you. Uh, anybody anybody want to say amen? Now he just kind of messes with you a little bit as he gets a little nosy uh, about your business and then you get troubled. Am I right, somebody? That's kind of what he, he does. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. And what Elijah is trying to do, he's, he's stirring things up about God to Ahab uh, to bring things, things up so that, that things could be seen right, so that things could be seen right, and so that hopefully there's enough trouble and enough meddling uh, with stuff going on that, that you choose God, that you choose the God of the universe instead of uh, placating yourself with the bales of the world. And so if you're taking notes, uh, get those out. Here's the first thing that stuck out to me in this section. It's this, is that is, and when we're troubled, it's actually a sign of God's love for you. And, and listen to me, it's a sign that something needs to change. So when you're troubled, when something's stirred up in you, it's a sign that God loves you and something needs to change. So let me ask you right now. What seems to be getting stirred up in you? You know, as you come here, right, and worship, you're like, oh, that's just getting in the way right there. Or, or when you talk to somebody who you know is, is close to God, you know, here's what I want to tell you. God's doing that because he loves you. 
I hope you know that. He's doing it because he loves you. He's speaking to you. So it's not the worship music that's doing it. Uh, I'm not the one making trouble for you, okay? Like, if you ever wonder, I hear this all the time. I hear people say, man, I feel like that message was just for me. Uh, do you ever wonder, like, why you feel like that? I'm not lucky. Like, it's not me. That's what God does. It's not that one song, somebody. It's not me doing it. It's, it's God because he loves you. He loves you and he's troubling you because of his great love and desire for you. Um, okay, next verse. So verse 19, is, so Elijah goes, all right, now, summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel, there's a mountain, along with 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who are supported by Jezebel. Okay, so here we go. So we got Elijah, and we have 850 prophets of this other God. Now, if you were Elijah, like staring at this group of 850 prophets, like what are you thinking? Like what are, what's going through your brain? Right? Let, me, let me ask it this way. Let me ask you this way. How confident do you have to be in the God of the universe to face 850 prophets of another God? That's the way I see it, everybody. Next verse. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. And then Elijah stood in front of them and said, how much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord's God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. So in here, there are two things that I would circle or underline if I were you. Uh, I, would, I would underline waver and I would underline completely silent. Let's look at these really quick. Here's the first one if you're taking notes that I just stuck out to me is this, stop wavering, right? Stop wavering. So, so what's going on is that the people here are really not committed to anything. So they're not really committed to God. They're not really committed to, to Baal either. Now, here's what we need to remember, okay? So here's what we need to remember. Like the people that, that, that Elijah's talking to are not anti-God. They, they're Israel, they're, they're God's people, okay? So they still believed in God. So it's kind of like this. Well, yeah, I mean, I believe in God. Like I remember what he did. Well, yeah, he got us out of slavery. Thank you for that. Like, I appreciate that, God. Like, yeah, I, I know the promises that he gives and the blessings that we have. So thank you very much. But like these crops over here kind of need to grow. So I'll kind of... I'll throw that bale over here a little something. God doesn't really mind about that. Or like, hey man, we, we're, we really wanna start a family. So man, maybe, maybe this God of fertility over here can just give us an extra special blessing on top of God. That's what's going on. They're, they're just kind of all over the place with this. And, and you know, it sounds ridiculous to be like that if you know who God is and you know what God's done, uh, but this hasn't changed with us, everybody. Not one thing has really changed. This isn't just an Israel Old Testament problem. In fact, Jesus even talks about it a thousand years later. Here's how Jesus puts it in Matthew 6. He says this, he says, hey, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. That's what Jesus is talking about. So here's what he's saying. He said, this is always gonna be the way it is. There's two masters. There's two masters and, and that you cannot in any realm of possibility be loyal to both. You can't be wishy-washy on that. This, this is the battle we still have today. This, is what I'm trying to, this isn't like an Old Testament problem. This is the same problem, just new stuff. Same problem, new stuff. So here's the battle, here's the battle. The battle is God and fill in the blank with whatever it is in our lives that's trying to take the place of God. And, and I'll give you the top three contenders. Here's the top three contenders for us right now. Our appetites, our agendas, and our affections. It's our appetites, our agendas, and our affections. And Jesus is saying, you will have a master. They're one of those things, God or, or one of these other things, one is gonna control everything else. 
One is gonna control everything else. And right now, here's what I, right now, uh, if I ask like, hey, is God more important to you than money? We'll all say, well, yeah, 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 he's more important. But if I say, hey, is God more important than your job or your comfort or your physical well-being and health? We say yes, because we're in church right now. Come on, everybody. Like, we're in church, of course, that's the right answer. And, and, and here's what I'm gonna say. I believe that that's what you wanna say. And I believe that about me as well. Like I wanna believe the best about us to say, yes, we want that to be true, but here's what I wanna do today. Can we just challenge ourselves a little bit? Anybody wanna do that with me? I'll do it. Can I just challenge you a little bit to maybe consider that there might be some things that have a little more tug in your life than you wanna admit right now? And so let's talk about it. Let's go after it. So here's how you know something's in conflict with the being the master in your life. It's whatever you're not inviting God into or what you're keeping God out of. You hear me? It's whatever you're not inviting God into or what you're keeping God out of. And it's subtle, it's subtle. Maybe it's in your finances. Do you really invite God into your budget when you're starting to map things out and write things out? Or is it this, no, 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 that's my money mentality. That's just a, it's a sign. Maybe it's in your time and your margins of life. Do you make room for God first to set the agendas and set everything you're doing or does he just get the leftovers after the commitments and the tournaments and the trips and the life going on? A lot of times what it is, and I've said this before, it's the as soon as thing. Well, I, I, I don't know, we're busy right now. It's a busy season. And as soon as that happens, as soon as he gets out of that, as soon as we get through this, whatever, then, then we'll really step up on our faith. Then we'll really, really show God we mean business with him, right? So let me ask you this. Maybe you could write this down. Where am I wavering? What am I, what am I trusting a little more in than, than trusting God in right now? What am, I, what am I taking God out of? What am I not inviting him into? All right, I'm gonna stop picking on you right now, okay? And by the way, this is, this is me too. Like I'm talking to myself as well. We've gotta challenge ourselves to be in there, okay? So that's the first thing that stuck out. Here's the second thing that, that really uh, stuck out to me is that the people were silent. Did you notice that? People were silent. That, 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 that's a response. Here's the thing. That's a response that we can have too. That's a response that we can have too. And here, with what I just talked about, with what I just talked about, be silent, didn't hear it, <laughs> no change, don't want to think about it, Annie. Thank you very much. Don't fight. But here's, here's where I want to spur us on today. Here's where I want to spur us on. We don't have to be silent, everybody. Hey, it's a fight, okay? This stuff is a fight. And so let's do this if you're writing this out. Don't let silence be my response. Don't let silence be my response. Don't be silent, be reactive. Don't let your guard down, step up in the fight. Come on, somebody, let's go after this stuff and say, no, I want, I've got, because here's the thing, we have a God who has invited us, he's invited us into a relationship where we actually can get everything in the right order. We can put everything in order, put him on top and everything else, Jesus says, will get figured out. That's what he says and everything else will fall in place. And then what we get to do is just follow God, follow what he says, follow what he tells us to do and let that other, not let that other stuff dictate our lives. And here's what I wanna tell you, it's worth the fight. It's worth the effort. And I'm gonna tell you, only God is worth your heart. Amen, somebody? Only God is worth your heart. So let's fight, let's fight. Don't let silence be your response today. That's what some of us are gonna do. Like God spoke to you, I believe, a couple minutes ago. You're like, hey, I'm wavering there. Now here's what you do. You're either gonna be silent or you're gonna change. And so I just wanna push this a little bit. Uh, okay, so players are on the field. Let's get back to players on the field. Right now, here's what's gonna happen. The rules are gonna be set. All right, so here's what Elijah said. 
said, then Elijah said to them, I'm the only one who has 450 prophets. Now bring two bulls, setting fire to it. Uh, I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and the altar, but not set fire to it. Then call the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God and all the people agreed. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, hey, you go, for, go ahead, you go first. There's a lot of you, uh, which I think is kind of funny. He's like, oh, you know. Choose one of the bulls and prepare it and call on the name of your God, but, but do not set fire to the wood. And so they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. And then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. And then they danced, hobbling around, which again, that was another word that was used, hobbling around the altar that they had made. Uh, and this is great. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. And he goes, hey, you have to shout louder. He scoffed. Now listen to this. For surely he's a God. Perhaps he's daydreaming or he's relieving himself. Okay, I, I didn't put that in there. Or maybe he's away on a trip. Maybe he's on vacation or he's asleep and he needs to be wakened. And so here's what they do. So they shout louder and following their normal custom, they cut themselves with knives and swords until blood gushed out. They raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice, but still there was no sound, no reply, no response. Now, there is a lot in there, but I, I just wanna let the story tell itself because we could see what's going on. But he, you know what stuck out to me? Here's what stuck out to me devotion gang listen to me they were devoted didn't make no bones about that like they they really they were they really believed that Baal was going to show up right and so here's what I felt the Lord was leading me with as I was going through this myself and it's what we need to be doing in our lives is this test everything test everything here's what I mean by this don't mistake passion or charisma for genuine spirituality. Don't do it. Don't get in that trap. The, the prophets of Baal were passionate. They sure were. Like they were passionate. They, they were all in. They were all in. Uh, they were sincere in their effort. But here's what I'm gonna tell you. You can be passionate and sincere and also be dead wrong. Dead wrong. No matter how much someone believes in something, it doesn't mean it's true. No matter how hard they believe it or how nice somebody or how good that group is over there, that doesn't make it true. Charismatic people can mask a lot of problems and they can mask a lot of lies. Come on, somebody. Like nobody goes into a cult thinking, boy, I'd love to join a cult. Like that's the extreme of it, right? Like nobody goes, geez, I, I just really want to see what a cult was like. Nobody does that. that that's what happens. So, so always test it. Always test it with the word of God. Here's what John says about it. He says, dear friends, don't believe every spirit. Test the spirits to see whether they're from God because many false, you better believe this. There are many false prophets saying the name of Jesus out there. You gotta test it and see if they've gone out because they're out there in the world. We live in a world where we allow feelings to be the test of so many things. Don't let that be you. Feelings are good. I'm a feely guy, you know what I mean? Like I'm an emotional guy, uh, but it can also be easily misplaced or confused, okay? And, and there are people and an enemy who will take it and use it for their good and for their agenda and it's a false agenda, okay? And we can get really trapped in there. We have to get our, put your radars up all the time. Don't just believe what I'm saying is the gospel, test it. Test what we say up here. Make sure it jives with what the word of God says. Will you do that as a church, everybody, please? 
Will you do that? Yes? Even me? Okay. I wasn't a trick question. Okay. All right. So the prophets of Baal, uh, they tried and they failed. All right. Now it's Elijah's turn. Let's see what happens. Then Elijah called to the people. Come over here. They, I love Elijah. The more I read about him, he is awesome. Okay. Especially when he's talking about the God doing it. Okay, they all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel. Uh, and then he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. He's like, I'm renaming this in God's name, right? Then he dug a trench, or this is great, dug a trench around the altar, large enough to hold about three gallons. And he piled the wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces and laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, all right, fill four large jars with water. Pour the water over the offering in the wood. So after they'd done this, he said, do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. And so they did as he said, and then the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. And at the usual time for the offering, the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and he prayed. He said, oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, Prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. Oh Lord, answer me. Answer me so that these people will know that you, oh Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. And what happened? Immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven, burned up the young bull in the wood, the stones and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, the Lord, he is God. The Lord is God. End credits, movie over, right everybody, right? Like, awesome scene. That's actually not the end of the movie. Uh, that's all we're gonna stop. There's gonna stop today. There's a lot more to it. I hope you read the rest of that story. Uh, there's more amazing things happen, but, but uh, God shows up, right? Fire comes down on the drenched wood. It's a miracle and the people believe and turn back to God, which begs the question, why doesn't God just do that today? I mean, it seemed like it worked pretty good right there. So why doesn't he just do it again? That's a good question. That's a good question. Well, first off, just so you know, works pretty good. Works pretty good here, but it doesn't take very long where the people just kind of fall away again. So I think sometimes we think if we solve something like this, that it would just solve the world's problems about Jesus and the questions that they have, but history proves that to not be true. Uh, Jesus says that as well, because uh, there was a day where he was talking and, and the uh, uh, prophet or the, the guys were leaders of the church were saying, hey, just do a sign there. He's like, That's not, I'm not gonna do that. You're just gonna worship the sign and not me. And so again, like he knows, uh, he knows what's going on. Uh, but also know this, just so you know, just so you know, miracles do happen, everybody. Hey, listen, we have a God who not was the God of miracles. He is the God of miracles, okay? There are things that happen. God does amazing things. There are testimonies in front of us, stories that people will say where God shows up. Anybody say amen to that? Because he does still work miracles. It's the, you can't explain it with science. You can't explain it logically. It's just God stuff that happens. And just so you know, just so you know, the Christian life is actually a miraculous life, period. Let me explain this, all right? Because here's how the Christian life goes. It begins with coming to know Jesus as your savior. And here's the miracle that happens, you ready? The miracle is you get a new life, you get forgiveness and exoneration from the consequences of sin, and you get a new birth, you get a new birth 
into heaven and, and, and you get all of that stuff by believing in Jesus, a kingdom that lasts forever. But that's not where it stops. See, then, because that's just the beginning. Then a miracle continues where it, you be, you're in heaven and you are made perfect by Jesus. Now, even you can admit that you being made perfect is a pretty miraculous thing, okay? And the person next to you, even more of a miracle, it's shocking. Like look at them and say, shocking, right? Like that's even more shocking, okay? And I want you to think about this for a second. I want you to think about this. See, the thing about supernatural miracles, the thing about supernatural miracles, they're great and we think that they're bigger, but, but here's what I wanna tell you. Here's the problem with it. They only last while we're here on this earth. You ever think about that? So yeah, you might get healed, but you're still gonna die. You catching me? You're still gonna die. So, so, but when God changes your life and when he changes your heart and when he changes your soul, that's a miracle that lasts forever. So I think we can kind of get confused what the bigger and lesser miracles are. Okay, so if Elijah were here today, here's what I think he would say. Stop wavering. You've got what you need. Yeah, I saw fire coming down from heaven, but the greater miracle isn't fire coming down from heaven, it's Jesus being raised from this earth. You've got what you need because now you've got life after death and now you have the miracle of the Holy Spirit living in you and you cannot deny that. Come on, somebody, once you experience it. Amen, somebody? And you will know the one true God and you'll know the false gods and you'll know everything and he's so much greater, so much greater. And so here's how I wanna end. One, oh, I got five minutes left, okay. One, I'll talk a little more. I'll be late, okay. God wins. You hear me? Somebody needs to hear that today. With what you're going through, what's happening, God wins. He always will. He'll never fail. God wins. Okay, that's one. And here's the other thing. Here's the other thing I want you to think about and take with you today. It took the courage of one person, one person to see and experience what God did. Like it took the courage of him to do. Now think about this. God did all of it. God did, but Elijah had the front row seat to it. And I think that's a challenge for us today. He had the front row. How do you get the front row seat? Three things, three things. And, and then we'll be done. Here are three things. I even started with the same letter. So it's not that challenging. It's easy for us to remember. Here's, and I put them in a, a me way so that we could be challenged a little bit today. Here's the first thing is that we got to find confidence. Find Confidence. Elijah's confidence in God is what allowed him to see what God did and experience this amazing thing that God did. So here's what I wanna ask you as you write that down. How's your confidence? I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not talking about self-confidence, God confidence. What level is your God confidence at, at today? Because it was that confidence, out of that confidence that the second thing happened, which is to have courage. Have courage. Now, here's the big thing about courage. The big thing about courage is that unknowns will still be there, okay? So courage isn't the absence of the unknowns. Courage is action in spite of the unknowns that are in front of you. You hear what I'm saying? Like courage is like, Elijah didn't really know he was just confident in God. And so he's like, I don't know what's gonna happen. I know the end, but, but that's what courage is. And so, so just know this, have this perspective. Listen, unknowns will always have power, but it will never match the power of your heavenly father. Amen, somebody? Never will it match it. So don't let it. Take courage, take heart. He's overcome, he wins, right? Take courage. And here's the last one, make a commitment. Hey, eyes right here, eyes right here, right here, right here. 
make a choice. Decide today. Don't be wishy-washy anymore. If you believe in God, follow him, right? If you believe, then put your money where your mouth is. Literally, like do it. Follow him. Go all in. There are believers who need to know this right now. There, there, I, just, I just wanted to say this and then we'll be done. Um, I still have two minutes. This is great. Um, there are some of you who will n- not fully know what God is capable of because you're not doing this one. You think you are. Just like the people of God, they were like, yeah, yeah, thank you for that and thank you for that. And it's like we're on a buffet. It's like, well, I'll, I'll trust my money over here. Do you hear what I'm saying? You're never gonna experience what God can really do unless you go, God, everything. Me, who, you know what my challenge is? My kids. Man, just, you will not experience. I wanna encourage you to commit fully, fully. There's a challenge for everybody today, isn't there? Me too. So let me ask you this. Where do I need to prove my decision for God? Just ask that. Where do I need to prove my decision for God? What area is coming up right now? Where am I going to make a change and not be silent? And here's the thing. We don't change because we have to. We don't change because we need to. Uh, We change because Jesus has changed us. Amen, everybody? And that's why we do it. Let's pray. God, I am, I really feel spurred on today. I feel encouraged. I, I don't want to waver. I, I, f- I find this so inspiring by you and what you want to see in my life. I don't see any bit uh, of shame or guilt coming down to me, but I just find challenge from you to me, Lord. I pray that for every man and woman in here who, who, who just heard what I heard and, and where, where I was this week, that, that we can really look at where we stand with this, God, where we stand with you, that we can find confidence, we can have courage, and we can make this commitment real, that we just go all in with you, that we're just done wavering, we're done being on the fence. I don't want to be like them. I want to be like you tell me I can be. Lord, I want a faith that says yes to God. I want a courage that says, no, I know God will see me through all of this and and I'm gonna take heart. I'm gonna have courage and I'm gonna change and I'm not gonna be silent anymore uh, about who you are and what you could do in my life. I pray that over every man and woman in this place. I, I really feel a burden to pray over change for somebody, to not be silent, not walk out of here going, that's a great message, but to say, God, I need to change. Help them see that that, that your power will always outweigh any other power that's out there, any power of the unknown, Lord, that you can actually overcome through them. It's all what you do, not what we do anyways. And so I just pray that there is an allowance of you for them, whoever that is. We love you. We need you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this encouragement and spurring on. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I told you I'm one minute over. All right, I love you guys. Hey, have a great Sunday and we'll see you here next time.